Hello my friends, welcome to the Hug From The Moon podcast, episode 8. It's lovely to have you here, beaming in through your earlobes, earlobes, not your earlobes, your ear canals. It's uh, good to have you here, thank you for joining, thank you for listening. And if you like the Hug From The Moon podcast, why don't you tell someone about it, eh? Let's grow this community, let's get more people listening. If you're a fan of poetry... If you're a fan of the creative works of people and sharing it with others, then please do share this podcast around. This week we've got our usual poems. We've got a featured poet of the week. And I'm really excited to share her poem. Oh, she's going to be reading it out, Helen. She's brilliant. So without further ado, let's get started with our first poem. It's called Rigid in the River. It's coming up now. Richard in the river. Walking my friend Richard to the river just after dinner. We make an odd pairing. Him an adolescent, me just a glimmer. Him gangly and spotty and knee deep in puberty. And camp and not a fan of footy. Me just 11 and a full head shorter. It was the tail end of summer. Me and Richard walking there with my little brother. His house is over the bridge. Just follow the patchwork snaking tarmac until it disappears through the trees. The river walk we call it. Isolated and overgrown with thistles, thorns, stinging nettles like swords drawn. We go to cross the bridge and our paths cross with malevolence. Four older teenagers, one ghastly, overweight, spotty, greasy and leery. Another tiny but older and mean with beady eyes seared into his head with bitterness and bucketfuls of resentment. Another is a girl with cruelty as a spell and the last is just a boy, evil as hell. They're standing on the bridge and we have to cross and I don't notice them until they speak. Richard says something back and I curse him for that and for sticking out like a sore thumb shirtless in his dungarees. You lack the resourcefulness of Huckleberry Finn, and this sure isn't the sanitised American TV version of Mississippi. Richard's comment hangs heavy in the air and I stay silent and the world turns in an instant. And all of a sudden it feels late. Richard, you idiot, you have nothing to back this up. There's four of them and three of us. At least one of us is a coward. Richard is sort of half turning round and mouthing off in front of me. And there's a gap that opened up between us. The teenagers shift and move like a pack, on the hunt, on the attack. How do we get separated? I stop walking. I don't want a part of this. I walk which this far, this was the agreement, this was the plan. Now I'm backing away. Richard's on the other side of the river. They're following him, pushing and poking him, chiding and deriding. I watch as I retreat. One gets him in a headlock. Richard and I lock eyes. He croaks. Leon, help. I should take off running. I'm runway streak of piss skinny and I could fly home in an instant and tell my family. Burst through the door yelling, help, help, Richard's in trouble. Everyone come running. But I just walk hurriedly, fevered and frantic inside my head, down, stilted, but sort of quick, kind of shock through the tall grass and brambles through the gap in the trees and back up the tarmac to the safety of home. 
and in the back way. I slide the patio door open. The house is still. It's strange to be back here. I can still feel the ghastly one's leer. Still taste his sneer. Mum is busying herself in the kitchen. I'm ashen pale and my brother's still by my side. I don't say a word. What's the matter? Mum asks. This seems to puncture the moment, the shock. I sit down with my head in my hands. The tears come quicker than the words do. Richard's in trouble. Some kids by the river. My voice tremulous and pitifully weak. I sit and cry and think of Richard calling me for help. I keep my head down. Time seems to speed up. Dad went to the river. The kids had gone. Richard was fine. I hear snatches of conversation. One of the kids pulled a knife. They threw him in the river. He's okay now. He's home. I keep my head down. I stay silent. Tears eventually dry on my cheeks. My eyes still red. I want to go to the house and see if he's okay. Dad drives me. I want to say sorry. His mum opens. His mum comes to the door, opens it a crack. Prim and proper, she reassures me he's fine. I can sense disappointment in her eyes. The upstairs curtains twitch as we walk away. I catch Richard's gaze. Try a half-hearted wave. His look is strange. He slowly lets the curtain drop and I walk away. Dad and I drive home. Dad talks. I daydream. So that was Richard in the River. <clears throat> what do you think of that? Let me know. Um, that's one of my ones that's, that's an entirely true story. Quite similar to Flying Fist, The Smile in the Eye. A true story. I did have a friend called Richard when I was younger. He did like to wear dungarees with no t-shirt. Which, <laughs> let's face it, that is a, that's a strong look, isn't it? To make when you're 11. <laughs> Um, it was uh, true that, yeah, we, we the whole of it was true about that whole the whole poem, really. Um, the only bit that wasn't um, true was the bit at the end where Richard was at the window. I just imagined that bit. That was a bit of dramatic license, a bit of artistic license there. So, um, and I guess that poem is kind of about freezing up, you know, when you're faced with something. And I, I like the idea of, like, you know, you're a kid when you're, you're a child and you're just you're not worried about anything and then all of a sudden you have like a bit of a brush with sort of malevolence you know you're just crossing somewhere somewhere you've been before we'd have gone over that bridge lots of times it's just happened there, there was these kids there you know and, and it just felt you know like instantly quite terrifying I think I was you know probably quite an anxious kid thinking back now <laughs> um, and so yeah that's what that's about um, let me know your thoughts on that one. So next we have got our featured poet of the week. Very pleased to have, be sharing her poem. It's Helen Williams. She's one of my good friends. Um, she's going to be performing her poem, which is called Cressida. Um, I hope you enjoy it. It's coming up now. This poem is called Cressida. Will she be crazy or will she be safe? That guilty thought runs through my brain. Cressida brazen or Cressida tame. 
childlike nymph, elegant, not vain. Cressida who ate or Cressida who starved, a beautiful young woman, self-believed, marred, isolation crippling and lone in her head. Then she saw clearly her body now dead. Cressida who sang or Cressida who painted, amazing grace in death, shrill, not tainted. Take me to the light, she said in colours, angel there for days, they said, gently hovered. Cressida the mouse or Cressida on fire, painted cheeks, eyes wide to admire, a childlike drunk needed care taken, next morning forgotten, friendship not mistaken. Will she be crazy or will she be safe? That guilty thought runs through my brain. Cressida brazen or Cressida tame, childlike nymph, elegant not vain. Cressida high-pitched or Cressida soft-spoken, in Paris we bonded, talked sex in the open. She asked lots of questions, can't disclose them here. Curious and unsure, we settled her fear. Cressida grew wiser, had big plans in sight, worked hard for goodwill, had skills to delight. New prospects afoot before cancer came. Then reality took hold, devastatingly brave. Birthday party for Cress, a boat on the river. We remembered her generosity, tried not to shiver. Loved her for those hours, even more than usual. Brought us all together, we sought her approval. Cressida wasn't crazy, nor was she say, a stoic, startling lady who flummoxed my brain. Cressida was brazen. Cresta was tame, childlike nymph, and elegant, not vain. That was Cressida, performed by Helen Williams. I really like that poem. It's a lovely tribute to someone who, like a, a real free spirit, and a, someone who sort of walks into your life and changes you, and lives on in your DNA after you've met them. So what a lovely tribute that is. Um, thanks, Helen, for sharing it. Our next poem is the alliteratively satisfying Tommy Told a Tale. I mean, that is just the most satisfying title I've ever written. It's coming up right now for your ears. Here we go. Tommy Told a Tale. Tommy told a tale, a short and bloody fable, but took a long time to regale. Told with all the urgency of an especially slothful snail, strained every sinew as it attempts to prevail. It unfolded leisurely and I followed rap through the trail. The words he chose were deliberate, the pauses often and painful. Staring down at the fingertips for the long forgotten Rizzler strips, he instead took long pulls on a pint of frothy owls. He carefully told the tale. The village park was the scene for a dust-up, a lark, a punch-up, a laugh, a beating, a spark, a light in the dark for the melancholy boy past. A boy he pummeled into the dirt, the dust and blood trailing up from the earth in glorious monochrome slow-mo, the empty mirth of the victorious squirt, the boy with a temper and worse. Tommy came alive as he told the tale, beating up the boy in the park. As he regaled it, he took on an animated air, the machismo thick in the air, the ever-present threat of violence hanging there, the mellowness, a suppression of the trigger-temper hairs. 
the smell of copper in my nose, the knot in my stomach, a threat of violence before it shows, the feeling of being pummeled into the dust like no one knows. That was me in the park. He's forgotten it though. Lost in the giddy highs of the memories of stamping out life. I fingered the bump on my forehead, the scar tissue round my mouth. I smoothed out the edges of the memory and waited for the tail to peter out. Kinda like this poem. So that was Tommy Told a Tale. That one is about, <clears throat> well, I think that the inspiration of that one was uh, like a conversation with a friend and they were talking about, um, and they were talking about a story from their childhood where they beat someone up. And, uh, <laughs> and like, I just thought it was, um, some of it was true. Like the fact that they kind of took on a kind of, they were kind of animated while they were telling the story, you know, of like beating someone up. And I guess it's sometimes this thing about casual violence, you know, like <laughs> some people are more comfortable with it, with it than others. And the fact that a casual, you know, story of casual violence beating somebody up, um, you know, that, there's a real disconnection between the per- I don't know it's it's just funny I just it's a funny old thing you know why is it okay <laughs> I don't know if it's okay you know <laughs> so um I kind of get the feeling that with these poems I mean yeah you know I feel like I'm kind of exploring sort of like my own um maybe my own feelings about I don't know what it what it means to be a man or a boy or you know some my ideas about masculinity, maybe. I don't know. It seems that way. I should say for this story that um, the half of it's true, half of it isn't. It wasn't me who was getting beaten up. I kind of feel like I should redress that. I wasn't just getting beaten up as a kid all the time when I was younger. <laughs> um, I guess I'm exploring this idea of the fact that, I don't know, this bit, the second half isn't true. It wasn't me. But in the story of the poem, you know, the narrative of the, of the poem is like, you know, these two friends um, talking and the other one tells a story of like beating someone up and they sort of, it's a sort of a heroic story and they, you know, with an air of boastfulness about it. And the person in the story has just entirely forgotten that it was the person opposite them that they beat up. So they've become so disconnected from um, people, from a, from the person who got hurt that they've entirely forgotten who it was. It's just become a story. So I guess the that I I guess I'm the the point I'm ramblingly getting towards is this idea that if we are disconnected from people then we can do anything to them maybe. So you know, yeah. There you go. So that was Tommy Told a Tale. We've got a song coming up to close. And I I guess this 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 theme of this podcast has again uh, kind of been about friendship again in the sense of it's been about lost friends, but also maybe friends you let down, friends who let you down. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this poem, the song coming up is called Old Friend and it's it's coming up now. Here we go. 
I got nothing to say No words Only blood on the page My mistakes Stacking up Our corpses the time we had Guess I took it for granted All the things we did Sometimes you lose things when it comes back around Better grab it have it for it's gone and no So that's the end of another episode of the Hug from the Moon podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, tell your friends about it. Stick it on Facebook or Instachat or TikTok or whatever you use. Um, Tell people about it, share it around and let's try and grow this community that we've got. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Helen Williams for being our feature poet of the week. Thanks to everybody out there in the world who enjoys this if you want to be involved 
If you're a poet and you've come stumbled across this, um, get in touch via my Instagram, send me a DM, and then we can have you on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great day. Goodbye. <laughs>